We're back and it's UFC 259 that we will be covering this time. I'm your host, Mazhar, and I have Ronit Pitale with me. Ronit, let's just start off right off the bat. Sure. Big, big card. And it seems like Dana White always outdoes himself, doesn't he? You look at this card, you look at UFC 254 and you thought, okay, nothing can top that when we saw Justin Gaethje and Khabib going at it. We saw UFC 257, of course. The rest of the fights weren't that great, but at the end of the day, Connor's back. And now he starts off with three title fights, and we'll be covering the main card as we always do. So we'll go in order and we'll just have a look at the fights first before we actually move on to discussing each of them. Absolutely. This is the main card here. So we have obviously the main event. In fact, we have three main events this time. Uh, we have the light heavyweight, the headliner fight. Between Jan Blahovic and Israel Adesanya. Now, Israel Adesanya, we all know he's the middleweight UFC champion, moving up to fight against Blahovic because let's face it, he doesn't really have any competition in middleweight at the moment. We have Amanda Nunes, the lioness is back. She's going up against the Australian Anderson in the women's featherweight. We also have Peter Jan now again defending his title against Aljamain Sterling in the bantamweight category. Then we have the lightweight fight between Islam Makhachev and Drew Dober. That's Russia-USA, so we always expect fireworks over there. And the last fight in the main card we have is the light heavyweight category again between Thiago Santos and Rakic. Now we'll deep dive into each of these main card fights and we'll start off with the big one, the biggest of them all, Blachowicz versus Israel Adesanya. So, Ronit, the last style bender, we all know how good he is. We love his swagger. We love everything about him. Uh, he's a proud guy. Uh, he talks trash when he has to. And he's going up against someone who we've seen do it all, at, at, at least at the light heavyweight category. What's your take on this fight? I've just pulled up the tail of the tape. So, yeah. of course, yeah. uh, Blahovic is... 38, Adesanya is just 31. Uh, there's, uh, Israel is a tall guy, not that Blahovic is not, but he has a slight reach advantage because of his height and around 5 centimeters. For all of those who follow the UFC know that Adesanya is 20 and 0. He hasn't lost a single fight in MMA in his professional career. And Blahovic has a pretty impressive record of 27 and 8 as well. The odds are completely stacked against Blahovic, which is kind of surprising for me personally. So, Ronit, what's your take on this entire fight? Yeah, uh, I mean, see, let, let's just first look at it from the perspective that Izzy is going to be moving up a weight class. Okay. So, when you move up a weight class, there are two things that really give one is your power, and the second is your reach. Now, when it comes to power, there is no doubting the fact that Blahovic is going to have the advantage. I mean, his, his, he goes by the moniker of Polish power. So, Blahovic is going to be carrying that power, not only just in his hands, but also in his legs. Uh, I mean, the previous fight that he had against Dominic Reyes, 
it was those body kicks that absolutely battered Reyes. I mean, at the end of the first round, he literally had his entire abdominal region was red, it was bruised, it was swollen. So he carries that sort of power. The only thing is, can he touch Izzy, right? Because in what you have in Blahovic is a world-class kickboxer and what you have in Izzy is a world-class Muay Thai fighter. So both of them are excellent strikers. The only thing that's going to work, I'm not the only thing, I mean, but the other part of the equation that's actually going to work in Izzy's favor is the fact that he's going to have the reach advantage. Now, what Izzy can do, in my opinion, is stay on the outside, pick his shots, use his range, and not let Blahovic get too close. So the key to victory, in my opinion, for Izzy is to stay outside, stay elusive, maybe even try and tire Blahovic out, make it a five-rounder. I don't see Izzy knocking out Blahovic cold. I may be wrong. I may be proven completely wrong. Maybe he gets him with a head kick or some completely outlandish move. But I, I don't see him catching him clean with a punch or, you know, Blahovic going down that easy, in my opinion. So his way, his route to victory is to stay on the outside, pick his shots, tire Blahovic out, take it into deep water, and then maybe take a decision or get a TKO. For Blahovic, the route to victory is clear. You have to put Israel Adesanya away. And no one's been able to do that yet. So that's going to be a Herculean task in itself. Should be interesting. I just wanted to highlight one thing here. Do you think Blahovic can take this game to the ground? Because if it does go to the ground, it'll be quite intriguing because... He's Blahovic has a more well round up game. He ha, we've seen him submit a lot of his opponents in the past. He also has a decent takedown average, at least attempts wise. He tries to take down his opponents at times. We know Izzy is not going to do that. He's purely going to be a stand up fighter. But Izzy's takedown defense is also pretty impressive at around 80%. So, what's your take on that aspect? Do you see Jan even thinking or considering? Basically, bullying Israel because of the size advantage, or rather, wait. Yeah, that's actually a fantastic question because this was actually something that I had thought of when I was looking at this fight and analyzing it as well. But then I came around to the fact that greater, and when I mean greater, I mean the greatest wrestlers in the world have tried to do this and failed. So, Joel Romero couldn't get Israel Adesanya down. And not for nothing, I'm not discounting the size discrepancy, but man, Yoel Romero is a powerful individual, a powerful, powerful individual. I'm not going to say it was for the lack of trying, it was probably for the lack of opportunity. I think Corey Anderson, pure all-American wrestler, I'm not sure of his credentials, but definitely a fantastic wrestler, tried, no luck. Paulo Costa thought he was going to take Izzy down, do some jujitsu, and then get a tap, but that didn't work out either. So, I'm not saying that these gentlemen have not been able to take him down for lack of trying. It's one, the lack of opportunity. And two, Izzy is going to punish you. If you come in sloppy, if you come in trying to shoot, this man, he his mixed martial arts game, in my opinion, is heavily underrated. Everyone looks at Israel Adesanya as a striker. But... Let's not forget, every fight starts on its feet, but it can go anywhere from there. Izzy has not let that happen, which is his beauty. I mean, Corey Anderson was giving his life and trying to shoot on those takedowns, if I'm not wrong. And he just couldn't get Izzy off the fence. He had him posted there. Israel Adesanya is not giving up any ground to you. Make no mistake about it.
So, I mean, I think uh, Jan is going to probably try, but unless unless he really finds a route to, you know, mask those takedowns between a barrage of strikes or really try to go for power and has Izzy curling up and then shoots a takedown, it's going to be a long night. It's going to be very tough to get Israel Adesanya to the floor. Now the testing question, Ronit. Who have yeah. you got to win this fight? It's a tough one. Uh, I, I mean, it's a tough one. I'll tell you what, I'll, and I'll and I'll sort of give you like I sort of give myself a way out on this one, uh, in case I'm wrong. But you can't pick against Izzy, right? My simple thing is you can't pick against Izzy. All due respect to Jan Blahovich, to the fact that he's 38 years old, he's reached the pinnacle at this age. He's got the Polish power. He's got everything. But man, I cannot pick against Israel Adesanya. That is my pick either by late TKO or taking it by decision. I have Izzy Styles. The style bend has just created that legacy for himself, hasn't he? You look at Khabib and you always thought that there's no way that guy is going to lose. And well, it's held true so at least so far and probably will never change. And Izzy's pretty much in that same boat now where he's unstoppable and untouchable. So... This step is more to challenge himself. And he has nothing to lose in this fight. If he loses, fine. No one's going to think of it as an upset as much as if he would have lost in the middleweight category. Moving up is always a different thing. Hey, are you like us and trying to make your own podcast but aren't really sure where to get started? Well, when we first began, we didn't really know how to get our podcast out there to the hundreds of different podcast platforms. That's where Anchor comes in. Anchor is your one-stop shop for all things podcasting from start to finish. It allows you to record and edit your podcast, and then when you're ready to publish, distributes it to a ton of podcasting platforms, including Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Once you've posted your episode, Anchor tracks listening across platforms, and graphs your performance across countries, age groups, and platforms. That's how we know that 4% of our listeners are in Hong Kong. If you're listening from Hong Kong right now, well, thank you. And Anchor is totally free. To get started, download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm. That's A-N-C-H-O-R dot F-M to get started. Now back to the pod. Anyway, great, Ron. So, you're going with Izzy on that one. Just a disclaimer for everyone, Ron. It's not been wrong so far in his UFC picks. So, at least not for the main event. So, put your money on Izzy. Though he's a huge favorite. So, think about that. Yeah, uh, may not be a good betting one. But yeah, that's true. Let's move on to the next fight, Ron. This is again... I'm I'm just glad that this fight is there because I've missed Amanda Nunes, honestly. What a Who fighter. <laughs> Definitely the greatest of all time. Uh, at least in the women's uh, featherweight category. No doubt. She's been there, done that. Her record speaks volumes. She's been unbeaten since 2015, I believe. And she's ha- she's on an 11-fight win streak. That is just That speaks volumes of how good Amanda Nunes is. But still, she still has to fight in the octagon and prove her mettle against Megan Anderson. So, Ron, what's your take on this particular fight? 
I mean, to be very honest, let, let's call a spade a spade. You're looking at those odds. Nunes is a minus 1200 favorite and Anderson is a plus 750 underdog. Now, I mean, even if you were to keep the odds aside, I mean, the last time I saw like such ridiculous odds in a women's fight or that I recall, uh, I mean, I'm sure bullets, most of bullets fights have these odds. But maybe the Ronda Rousey, Holly Holm fight where no one really knew Holly Holm was this, you know, sort of flying under the radar. The hardcores only knew about her. But there's not much mystery when it comes to Megan Anderson. It's not like we don't know or she's going to pull something out of the hat that we've never seen. It, the, the fact of the matter is at this point in time in Amanda Nunes' career, she is probably... Uh, the perfect female fighter at this point in time. She has power in both hands. She can knock you out at any point in time. World-class jiu-jitsu. You're not taking her down and, you know, uh, managing to ride out a decision. Even if you're a wrestler, which Megan Anderson is not. If you're going to stand with her, it's going to be scary on the feet. Megan Anderson, on the other hand, pure striker. Absolutely pure striker. Uh, she does not have much of a ground game, you know, to be very honest. And her takedown defense, while it has gotten better, really isn't something that stands out. So to throw back to the Holly Holm fight that she lost, Holly was very clear. Holly Holm is a world-class striker, okay? And she decided that it would just be wise to keep taking Megan Anderson down and echo the decision. And that's exactly what she did. If I'm not wrong, I believe that was the Holly Holm Megan Anderson fight. Yes, that's right, But, that's right. Yeah, if my memory is, yeah. So that was the fight. No, if it stays on the feet, uh, Megan Anderson does have the knockout power and she does have the range. If she can use that range to keep Nunes at bay and actually manage to get some good hard shots in from the outside, you could see Nunes in danger. But Amanda Nunes is a cerebral fighter. She did not engage with Jermaine Durandamy. She knew that I'm standing across the octagon from a world-class kickboxer, Muay Thai striker, there is no way I am going to enter into a firefight with this lady. She was very clever in taking the fight to the ground, dominating her over five rounds. And I see her doing something very similar to Megan Anderson, if not finishing her and submitting her before. So, Ronit, you hit the nail on the head when you mentioned takedown defense there. Nunes's takedown defense is 84%. So... I don't see how Megan Anderson even stands a chance in terms of that because her takedown defense is 50%. So, uh, all Nunes has to do to counter the reach disadvantage that she'll have will be to take it to the ground. And uh, she'll <laughs> all hell breaks loose then. We've seen her yeah. with TKOs. So. so, I guess it's pretty obvious there. Uh, it's too hard to even bet against Nunes and absolutely only a betting man will will bet on Anderson in this case with such odds yeah uh, in the off chance that she does end up doing something true absolutely. all right so let's move on to the next main fight and this one is very very intriguing in fact I, i'm calling for this one potentially to be the fight of the night it's no mercy tayan mm. versus the funk master, Aljamain Sterling. Now, we'll just ta take a look at the tail of the tape here. Jan is very young and he has 16 fights to his name. He has a record of 15 wins and one loss. Aljamain Sterling's also been around for a while. 19 wins, three losses. Slightly older, 
of course at age 31 but he has a 10 cm reach advantage on peter yan now the the odds are pretty much even you could say i think yan just has a slight advantage because he's the current champion um and because of his last fight as well so ron what's your take on this fight uh yeah i think i think you got it spot on mars when you said this is actually a pretty intriguing fight because i mean with peter yan he is a fantastic fighter and yet there is still i don't know what it is with these russian fighters you still there is that mystique element about him there's still some x factor which i feel does exist which hasn't really been tested in the octagon yet i mean he's done fantastically well against uriah faber and jose aldo but let's be honest we both know that faber is probably you know well past his prime and aldo is probably nearing that you know phase of his career as well both of them undoubtedly were fantastic fighters but i personally feel we've not seen peter yan been put to the true test and in my opinion aljamain sterling is definitely the true test i mean at the age of 31 aljo has really grown into his own he's become a lot more mature fighter he's got a well rounded game he knows what he's good at he knows what to stay away from and in my opinion he's become a more intelligent fighter now the reach advantage i think is you know absolutely incredible because for aljamain his jiu jitsu is absolutely world class he drills with the best in the game at sera bj at sera bjj uh ray longos is other coach he trains with fighters like alakinta chris wideman he's got a brilliant camp out there good stuff going on so uh the key to victory for aljo would probably be to take it down and tap peter yan and this has actually been a vulnerability of yan in the past he has been giving up his back a couple of times in his previous fights the only difference is that if aljamain sterling the backpack gets on there he is not coming off and he's probably going to choke you and end your night pretty soon i don't see aljamain rushing into something like he rushed into uh, malin morais when he had that fight he rushed in he got caught clean with a kick on the takedown he's going to be a more smart fighter he's going to approach the entire game better and i actually personally see him eking out a win against peter yan and new <laughs> so that's interesting because uh... I loved what Aljamain said in the face-off. Uh, he basically told, uh, so they just were, they were trash talking. It wasn't really clear what they were mm-hmm. saying. But Aljamain said that, uh, "How will you hit me if you can't see me?" So that mm-hmm. brings to exactly what you said. If he gets onto his back, then it's pretty much over. And I think that's what Aljamain is going to be aiming for. Both have good ground games, like you said. but that vulnerability of peter yan that you mentioned we've seen so i just wonder if that's also at the back of yan's mind and if he'll try to keep it uh, as a stand up because well when it comes to significant strikes they both love to hit yan has 5.65 significant strikes per minute and sterling has 4.82 so that's pretty ridiculous but the defense of sterling is pretty decent with 1.94 absorb strikes Yan just gets hit a lot, three point one five that he's been taking. So, I think that'll be something interesting to see. Um, so great. So, Aljamain Sterling is Ronit's pick. Now let's move on to that ends the the three title fights. fights that we have. Now let's move on to the next fight. Now, 
Ronit, this is very, very intriguing indeed. Islam Akachev versus Drew Dober. Islam Akachev unbeaten in what, 16 fights, I believe. Uh, he's just 29 still. He's 18 and 1. Drew Dober's 23 and 9. Dober's also much older. He's 32. But the difference is that, again, Makachev has a slight reach advantage as well. Odds, again, heavily in favor of Islam. So, Ronit, go for it. Sure. So, I mean, just to talk of Islam Makachev, I mean, I, I don't want to be that guy, but it's impossible to mention Islam and not mention the eagle in the same breath. So, you know this man is basically out of Habib Namagomedov's camp. He's, he was trained by Habib's late father and an all-in-all fantastic fighter. I mean, you, you know exactly what you're going to get with people coming out of that camp. And yet, at the same time, there's not much you can do about it. So, I mean, just to cut a long story short, if you're going to, if, if, if you want to know how Islam is going to fight, just think of how Habib fights. You're going to get the same fighter. It's going to be pressure, pressure, pressure. They're going to be on your hips, on your legs. They're going to try and climb all over on top of you. Put that pressure with the ground and pound. Make your life miserable and finish the fight. That's what you're going to expect from Islam Makachev. Drew Dober, on the other hand, I would say at this point in time has definitely reached veteran status. He is one of, you know, those stellar names in the UFC lightweight division who is no joke. And to be very honest, I mean, he's been paired up with Islam a couple of times before as well. And, um, you know, the fights have fallen through for whatever reason. But I personally feel that, you know, Dober being a stellar fighter, being a very respectable lightweight, I mean, to get past him is no joke. But then, in all honesty, Islam is expected to get past Drew Dober, the way things stand. You know, I think the fight has been made with the expectation. And I think it's going to be no different. I mean, I don't. I, I think even though Drew Dober has good hands, decent wrestling, I really feel that Islam, that, that, that pressure that's going to come in from Islam is going to be too much to take. He's going to be all over Dober and he's probably going to either echo out a decision or TKO or probably submit him. Not a clean knockout, but yeah, that pressure I feel is going to get Dodo Bob next three rounds. Yeah, it's probably more to get rid of his contract in a way, right? Oh, mm. You look at Dober's significant strikes though, 4.66 per minute. That's pretty amazing, but yeah, uh, Islam's going to be at his legs throughout and just looking for yeah. those takedowns. And uh, Islam's takedown average is 3.4 takedowns per 15 minutes, which is incredible numbers and you, you know what's scary about that number if it's three takedowns he probably takes you down once every round and then he keeps you there so three is all he needs per fight i mean that's just crazy and his, and his takedown defense is 93 percent, but that's probably because he's always the guy who's taking down the other person so yeah. it doesn't really even mean anything um the worry for Dober is he's got a very poor percentage when it comes to takedown defense at just 58%. So, yeah, I think it's custom-made to work into Makachev's favor as he moves up the lightweight category. Now, finally, we'll cover the last main card fight as well. Marata's back, Thiago Santos, and he's going to be fighting Rakic. Now... Let's have a look at the tail of the tape. Santos, well, he's still the number two ranked uh, fighter in the light heavyweight category, which is amazing considering he's 37. 
Alexander Rakic, number four, but he's so young. He's just 29. He has he comes into this fight with a five centimeter reach advantage. Uh, he's of course the favorite as well to win it. Rakic is 13 and two. Santos 21 and eight. So Ron, your take on this entire fight, and who do you think will be taking this one? Yeah, absolutely. So I think this one is pretty interesting. I mean, uh, not not for nothing, but Thiago Santos is actually a fantastic fighter. Uh, he took it to John Jones. Let's not forget, over those five rounds, he really took the heat to John Jones. And to be very honest, public opinion was split. A lot of people felt that that decision should have gone to Santos and he should have been the world light heavyweight champion, which didn't go according to his, you know, in his favor. But for a lot I of remember, people, he actually won that fight. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I remember we were watching that fight together uh, and we both were shocked by the decision, to be honest. Decision. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, at best, it would have been a draw or gone in Santos's favor, but interesting. I think in this last fight, he lost to Glover Teixeira, if I'm not wrong. And that, that was, I think, probably a tough break for him. But, uh, I mean, Santos brings that power. If he hits you, if he catches you clean, it's not going to be a very long night. I think he was on an absolute tear in terms of knockouts before he, you know, went one-on-one with Jones and then had the Teixeira loss. But if Thiago Santos catches you clean, it's not going to be a very long night. It only takes one with the hammer, you know, which is what I feel uh, is probably his definite part to victory. Rakic, on the other hand, has been a fantastic, well-rounded fighter flying under the radar. You know, uh, he's got a couple of good wins. Unfortunately, he had that split decision loss to Ozdemir. And you know how split decisions work, honestly, with judging in MMA. You can't, couldn't really tell. He probably won that fight for all you know. Uh, I mean, look at him. He's been wrong with Ozdemir probably. And, you know, Maheta has been wrong with John Jones. So, uh, very dicey. But uh, it's going to be a very interesting matchup. I mean, uh, if I were forced to pick, I would say, you know, uh, Maheta's route to victory we discussed and for Rakic it's probably uh, unlikely that he's going to get a finish on the feet unless you know Thiago really just manages to go wild or tires out or something like that but he may have to actually take Santos to a decision if that's going to be his route to victory so uh, I don't like to pick against a man with one punch knockout power but I, I feel uh, I won't say Thiago's dwindling but I do feel after the Jones fight, especially looking at him in the Teixeira fight, uh, if he comes back, God bless him, he may have, you know, regained that momentum in his career. But I just feel that Rakic is on the upward move and Maheta is sort of plateauing and declining right now. I'm going to go with the favourite. I'm going to pick Rakic. Oh, so there you have it. Ronit has picked Israel Adesanya. He's picked Amanda Nunes, but I don't think that was ever a question for anyone. He's picked Sterling. And new, at least, a new champion in that fight. He's picked Islam Makachev. And he's also gone with Rakic to win the first fight that will be taking place in the main card of UFC 259. Thank you so much for your time, Ronit. It's an absolute pleasure to have you. Looking forward to the next UFC event, which will be 260. I'm sure we'll cover that one. And to all those tuning in, UFC 259 is on Sunday, 8.30 a.m. IST. That's for the main card. Do not miss it. Tune in and I'm sure you'll be in for a thrill. Till then, take care. Stay safe.
Bye-bye.